Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on August the 25th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I was worried the connection dropped out. Nope, uh, I couldn't think of it. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. We're going to be going through the August Game Club, which was Red Faction Gorilla. We will be uh, letting you know what next next we'll be letting you know what next month's game club is we're going to be talking a little bit about the fortnite or rather epic versus apple lawsuit and we will have a steam discovery queue timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics hello rage hello what's happening my, my uh, recording a podcast touche touche um hello everyone i'm back this week uh, a few people knew, but I'll just go ahead and say right off the top, we had a COVID scare and had to get tested, and that was the day that we were supposed to record last week, and I was just, like, done after all of that. Uh, everyone in my house is negative, so we're we're all good here. But uh, uh, you, should, you should really stay positive in these sort of things. Ha ha. But uh, not only do I live in America, I live in one of the worst states in America for uh covid stuff um so it was a very nerve-wracking stressful exhausting time turns out we were all just normal sick um my kid is is back in school and they're on like a rotation um but the first week like everybody was there getting everything like set up and ready and there's already people in my kid's school that have it so yay yeah and you know we had to get yeah. tested as part of that. Yeah, we're negative. I'm, yeah, I'm expecting that uh, level of stress and let's call it late September because Anita yep. starts back to school. Well, she reports in for her first day Friday, but she doesn't have kids till uh, actually two weeks from today. So you know, give it a little bit of incubation time. Uh, a little bit of a scare. I'm, I'm saying we'll, I'll probably get in my brain poked. Uh, let's call it the 22nd. Okay. You know, a nice little brain massage, right? Right. Well, not the usual one I give myself whenever I pick my nose, but still. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm expecting things to just keep spiraling out of control here. We, uh, uh, you, you know, mean around the toilet? Yeah, yeah. We're just going to keep circling the drain. Um, a lot of places in Tennessee, despite having, in some cases, more than 2,000 students and, and teachers and whatnot in a district out uh, on quarantine, lots of places around the state are going, no, nah, we're going to go uh, actually to five days a week in school instead. And it's just a disaster. So, okay. you know. Uh, sorry, I have to retweet something. I was going to check the uh, Twitter just to make sure. There wasn't anything else because we actually have things there. And I saw something on my feed. I had to retweet it. Okay. Uh, it, it kind of syncs up. <laughs> if you want, I can just link it to you because, whew. Sure. Hang on. Uh, and let's hope this actually works. Yep. 
Mm. I don't like that image. I mean, it's a good image. It makes sense, but I don't like it. Yeah, the the toilet needs to be gold, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's what's wrong with it. The toilet's not gold. So, uh, go check out my Twitter. I, I gave me a CR if you wish to see what I retweeted. Uh, shameless plug. <laughs> Ding. Yep. Um. So yeah, we're we're back at it this week though. Uh, also, Craig has been busted for a while. He's working tonight. Hopefully he doesn't crap out in the middle of recording. It's not Craig's fault. It's Discord's fault. One of their more recent updates broke something with how Craig works on the back end. And so sometimes he just stops. Uh, the uh, The developers of Craig are, are working to fix him diligently, at least according to their website. What they're trying to do to Craig? <laughs> Discord is trying to ruin Craig, yes. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, we just, I just spent five minutes getting out a lot of negative emotional stuff by saying, fuck HOAs. Uh, <laughs> that'll be coming to a, a Franken show near you at some point. You can hear the whole discussion over there, or you can just message me and find out why I hate HOAs. What, what are you talking about? HOAs are the best thing to ever happen ever. Fuck them. I can hear that eye twitch, by the way. You, yes, it's very strong. Um, okay. I'm, my brain is just like all over the place. You want to talk about some games that we played? Yeah, sure. So how about, uh, a actually good game that I played? Yeah. We played. We played. And you should probably update the list for that one. I played, well, originally I played on Game Pass and then I brought you into it. Trailmakers. We are going to be linking to the Steam page because it's a lot easier than trying to link to anything on Game Pass because, uh, all right. Yeah. So Trailmakers is an adventure building game. Uh, and it has a few different modes. The main one, or at least what feels like the main one, because there's races and that sort of things as well as side missions, side things, is you're on the spaceship, it crashes, it scatters all the salvage to the, to the four corners of the map. Go adventure, find the salvage, uh, build uh, vehicles, uh, use the salvage you find to build better vehicles, upgrade, and just explore. And it does a couple things a little differently. A lot of games have this sort of Lego-esque mechanic where uh, things just snap together. Uh, The Sort of the Minecraft model, but not quite in this case, where everything is block-oriented. There's some angle blocks as well and that sort of thing. Uh, but Trailmakers takes all the pseudo-survival stuff that this genre is rife with and says, no, we, we don't need that. Not at all. It doesn't try to make you uh, build a base to get resources or anything. It's just, okay, well, you know, just go get uh, salvage. That's all you need. It, it doesn't even try to explain away how everything works. They gamify it in a very glorious way where uh, if your car breaks, you could just respawn it and it just you know, magically comes back together. And you can also set hotkeys so that you could swap between four different configurations on the fly. Even if the block is not on your vehicle, it just gets summoned. So you could go from, well, uh, my main vehicle is this mo- uh, pseudo monster truck thing that it's not particularly fast, but it has enough 
grip to be able to climb quite a uh, uh, an incline. Well, my second hotkey puts a giant bulldozer blade on it, just out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Uh, that's hinged and uh, is on pistons to be able to deal with different sizes of salvage. And then the third one is a boat that has nothing to do with the other two whatsoever. And the game doesn't try to explain it away, saying that, oh, it's this special energon stuff that uh, that we're able to manipulate better. It's a, no, fuck it. We're, we're a game where you you build things, go build shit. Yeah, go build fun stuff, explore, and go crazy with it. And I like that. I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I love a good survival game that tries to explain its world and be consistent and whatever, but it's also nice to just relax. And you, you mentioned it to me and I've only played it for a little bit. I mean, you know, we played it, what, two hours? I watched three. Three hours Sunday night. And then that's all I've played. I want to go back into it single player a little bit just to actually refine some of my designs because um, I just started with the basic thing, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to slap stuff on here as we go. And mine is like a small, like, six-wheeled car that's a lot faster than yours, but uh, I I can't quite get the bigger salvage. Although I can help, because I, I made like a little, just like a, not exactly a dozer blade, because I got in the way, but just like a big, chunky thing on the front. And there was a huge piece of salvage that we recovered together, and like, you could actually grab it and maneuver it, and then I could just push you and help push it along. Mm-hmm. It it does co-op aspects really well. Um, at first, we thought that you had to be really close to the salvage whenever one person recovered it for it to count. But as long as you scanned it, you can be anywhere on the map and you'll still get credit for the salvage that's recovered. Or at least nearby. We haven't tested just how far you could be. But I was a fair chunk away and it it counted. Basically, all the salvage is marked as unknown until you get close enough that you essentially scan it. And then it marks what it is. And in order to recover it, you have to take it to a location, usually somewhere nearby. Uh, there's, uh, it's basically an archipelago of islands, uh, some a lot larger than others. Well, there's also and, some floating sky islands, but yeah, we don't well, have an aircraft, so. Yet. We're, I'm actually getting close to that, actually. Yeah, we've picked up several airplane parts last night when we, or Sunday night when we played, and you had some stuff already. Yeah, Uh, but uh, there's uh, usually a a pickup or drop-off point every few islands, and most of the big islands have one, if not two or three drop-off points as well. So you're able to just push, carry, uh, dry hump, grind uh, a uh, <laughs> salvage onto uh, uh, this light beam that just sucks it up. For the most part, there's some that are volatile that have to be handled with care, which we just got the piece to be able to do that at the very end of our play session. It was we were talking about uh, wherever the hell this magnet is that the volatile pieces are talking about and it's like, okay, well let's get this one last, uh, 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 beacon to be able to, uh, teleport because you're also able to freely teleport anywhere to these beacons, which you unlock them, which is just drive under them. And we saw a salvage sitting there and I scanned it. It's holy shit. It's the electromagnet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I kept saying like, well, I need to go to bed. 
That's like, well, let's get this one thing. Okay. All right, we got an eight to go to bed. Oh, wait, it's the magnet. Okay, well, let's get that. Oh, there's another piece of salvage over here. All right. Well, it, it, it has that very one more turn. And there's enough easy to get salvage as well that you're not, you don't feel uh, restricted too much. Now, on the first island, you are limited until you find the pontoons to be able to build out a boat because, by, well, the pontoons and the motor to be able to drive through the water. But that's really the only time you're really limited. Then it's just, do you have enough creativity or enough items to be able to get this one piece of salvage? No? Okay, well, go uh, dick around somewhere else and come back later. That's sort of Metroidvania-esque uh, uh, aspect to it. Or enough stubbornness. Yeah. Uh, there's also a mechanic in it where, well, one, uh, the amount of stuff you could build is limited by power cores and but it's only propulsion and gadgets that are powered by the power cores so uh, my car actually has a lot more torque because i'm running i think like a dozen power cores at this point so i have like two of the big engines and like a half a dozen of the small ones and then two thrusters that uh give me a lot more pushing power on top of just having the big wheels on top of it. Yeah. Uh, but you're still viable with just a few cores to be able to go do things on your own. Yeah. I haven't felt limited at all. Like, you know, aside from the very beginning where I was just figuring stuff out, um, the map is really useful. Um, it was kind of confusing at first, but there's some pretty simple, um, you know, this is above you. This is below you. It tells you the height of what an object is at. You know, it's it's elevation of like 50 meters or whatever. And so that can help you work out like, okay, well, it's over here on this rock, out, rock outcropping. It's at 50 meters. So let me look and see if there's like a ramp or, you know, something to go up. Or maybe, you know, you're high up and its elevation is 50 meters. So you're like, okay, well, maybe there's a cave to go in around here. And it doesn't tell you like specifically where it's some pieces, but it gives you some information to help you look for it. It also means that you can avoid trying to find stuff that's like elevation 1,100 meters. It's like, okay, well, that's definitely on one of the Sky Islands. So I'm not going to worry about that right now. Um, there's cosmetics, which, it, you know, my first uh, cynical thought is like, oh, cosmetics. And this is set up perfectly for it to be like a microtransaction thing. Well, there is cosmetic DLC, but they are just strictly cosmetics. But there's and also, also an in-game currency system where as you do challenges uh, that rotate uh, every so often and also find caches of coins and that sort of thing. And kill uh, chickens. Yeah, and kill chickens. You uh, slowly accumulate the uh, cosme- uh, the uh, currency. That's not a joke, by the way. You get 10 gold coins for every chicken you run over. And also something else is that, uh, which is unusual for this type of game, it's actually quite uh, uh, sophisticated on just how aerodynamics work. So, uh, for example, uh, my giant monster truck actually picked up like three or four uh, miles per hour uh, in top end speed just by rounding off the front end of it. Now, don't get me wrong, it's never going to you know, win a drag race just because it's using these giant monster tires. But it does help. Uh, my boat is a hell of a lot fat, 
uh, faster on the low end because it's more sleek. Yeah, your boat was way faster than that one that I built, and I was using the maximum amount of engines that I had. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure my boat has... is just too wide and has too much drag, but it yeah, was the first one I made. Has, I what I was yeah, doing. Mine only has three engines on it, and it's uh, just as fast, if not slightly slower on the uh, on the top end than yours. I wonder if this game simulates planing um, on a boat. That way you're riding uh, your... Uh, actually, yes. Wake or wave, whatever. Because that, that's uh, a lot faster. Uh, that's what my boat actually does. Oh, okay. My, my boat actually, uh, because of the way it's weighted, uh, it will actually pull the front end up out of the water and it's riding on the back. Yeah. Well, that's I'm good. Assuming that's what you mean. Yeah, that's, I can't, it's, it's been forever since I've actually been out on the water in a boat, but that's what that's called is planing when the front end of the boat comes out of the water. So then there's a lot less drag. And so your, your boat goes faster. Yeah. That's why my boat does like 40 miles per hour. Yeah. But it's, it's a very fun game. I mean, we're going to play it some more this coming week. And like, like I said, I'm going to go in it single player just to do some designing. Because I see yeah. some things that I want to try, but since we were, you know, had just started playing and we were doing exploring and we got to finding stuff, I basically just kept like shoving stuff onto the base design. Like, all right, this will get the job done for now. And I don't really have like because you've got your core, you know, car and your core boat, and I don't, I don't have that. So yeah, well, my car also uh, is on like revision seven or eight at this point. Yeah, because I've went in and I've done four wheel uh, steering. I've uh, the bulldozer blade on as properly hinged so whatever i'm pushing something if i'm uh, turning it'll uh turn the bulldozer blade the other way so it uh, tries to dodge it the proper way there's rounded bits on it which actually i could add a little bit more now uh, to try to push things towards the center of the blade uh, i yeah. probably should extend it out a little bit further because it does get at times uh on some of the bigger stuff, it's like just the right size to just get stuck. And he's like one or two more blocks out, uh, out, but I haven't gotten uh, to do that yet. Uh, yeah. The construction uh, uh, editor is actually very intuitive for the most part. There's some niggles that it took me a while to get, like how it handles WSD. I didn't get it first that it was tied to the camera. So there would be times I'd hit W and it'd move a block one way, then I'd move the camera to try to line up. And I'd hit W again and move a completely different way. Uh, some of the bonds uh, definitely need to be redone. Uh, I don't like how it handles rotations. That's that's the one thing that really gets me. And uh, whenever you have a block, if you hold down Alt, it breaks up the three axes, uh, X, Y, and Z of how to rotate it, but it can only rotate clockwise. So mm-hmm. if you need to rotate something that the other way, you have to rotate it three times. And for some blocks, it's also very hard to see the, how it's orientation with, uh, 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 with how it's just uh, covered with the selector, a selector and whatever a block is selected, it's also goes slightly transparent. So for some of the body blocks, it's very hard to see at times how it's rotated until you unselect it. And it's a bit of a, a pain, but it's not a game breaker. It's just 
something that irritates me at times. Yeah. The um, I, I was going to say, talk about the builder. It's it's very simple and easy to get into. And that there, I agree with you that the rotation is weird. Um, that, and it's a little odd to get used to at first, the way that the sort of the camera, because the camera centers on a block. And sometimes I'll be like, wait, wait, uh, the camera's not going where I want it to go. Oh, wait, I just need to click on a different block to move sort of the center uh, view. Uh, you could also click and hold center mouse and drag the camera around. Oh, I didn't know that. If there was a tooltip for that, I just missed uh, it. There, there was a tooltip for that. I probably just missed it. Okay. Um, uh, there's not a way to really see the controls, at least that I know of, and the options, which does not help either. Yeah. So um, there, you have to rely on the remembering from the tutorials. But just looking at the screenshots on the uh, uh, the store page, I mean, you have pr- planes, uh, cars, a pod racer. Yeah, but the the building is is quick and easy. It it takes you know just a couple of minutes to make small modifications, um, especially for because sometimes it's like. And I haven't seen too many like this past the tutorial area. I'm sure there's more of them out there, but it's like in the tutorial area, there's stuff like build your your car a little bit taller or or make the nose a little bit longer so you can reach something and like poke it and knock it off. Yeah. Like making yeah, those modifications are, go really quickly. Um, yeah, there but are you, stuff like that uh, out there. It's just uh, part of that is the reason why the bulldozer blade on my car is not fixed, but is on pistons to move up and down. Yeah. But, you know, then you can go in and you can actually get some pretty in-depth tweaking of, like, how quickly or how much does something turn? How much force does it use? Um, you know, reversing things so that if you turn left, it something goes right and vice versa. And, you know, there's a lot that you can do with it. Is as much, just about as much as I can, because the, the game that I can think of that this is closest to would be Space Engineers. Um, with how building and sort of the same amount of like pistons and um, things work. And you can get just as in-depth with the rotors and the pistons and the things like that as you can in Space Engineers, from from what I can tell so far. Yeah. But this is a lot quicker and easier and sort of happier and, and just generally like more fun. And there's also, once you get into it, suspension as well that you could adjust. Uh, the dampening and the uh, how springy it is uh, to be able to change how your car rides. Like I had to do a little bit of adjustment on mine to keep it from rolling too much whenever it accelerated. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say that I'm not sure if this is a game that would be better with a controller or not because you can adjust the steering to be uh, a little bit more forgiving with the more digital control of a keyboard and mouse. Uh, but you would still have the throttle issue where it's either full or off. And the other modes that you've actually never tried, there's uh, a proper race mode with uh, some rallies and uh, off-road stuff that yeah. uh, you have access to the entire uh, c- catalog of uh, parts. Uh, there's some multiplayer modes, uh, Battle Royale-esque, yeah, King of the Hill, uh, introduce more weapons, which is available in the single player as well, which I suspect would make life a little bit easier on some of the uh, more tricky things. Just shoot them until they fall down, right? Yeah. Uh, I would imagine controlling, like driving around would probably be better with a controller, but the build system 
I think would be a lot worse. Yeah, it might be one of those pick up and put down the controller all the time, huh? If you could switch on the fly, that wouldn't be so bad. Um, I might mess around with that a little bit whenever I play it. Uh, probably tomorrow night, maybe Thursday night. Depends on. It would probably be best uh, whenever you're doing aircraft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there, there's quite a few game modes outside of the primary one, and they also rotate different. Uh, challenges as well to be able to keep you entertained once you get the main uh, thing done. Uh, the uh, main mechanic that, or the main uh, uh, yeah, uh, scrap in space or whatever they call it, uh, it's actually tied to your profile as well. And that's something that caught us off guard because I was expecting to go in and start off you know, pretty much fresh whenever I was playing with Jared. Uh, but I went in and I was in my big monster truck and had access to everything I ha- normally would have. It's tied uh, your progression to your account. Now, this does have the downside of if the servers go offline, you can lose progress, and I have. And I also had it where I, uh, I ha- didn't have access to my vehicles. So that is a something to be wary of if you want to buy it. But it's on Game Pass, so that's where I've been playing it. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not quite as big an issue as it normally would be for for me. And like I said, there is cosmetic DLC, but it appears to be just skins and hats, which is not that big a deal, at least in my opinion. Uh, for something like this, it's nice to have, but honestly, the hats doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you're like 95% of the time in your vehicle and you could only see like your scarf yeah which i love the scarf uh now the skins for the different blocks probably make more of a difference but eh, i'm fine uh with this you have like the usual 16 color palette uh, that you could choose from and it's fine for this i would say definitely try it out if you have it on game pass it's well worth trying yeah it's a lot of fun um, I mean, uh, if you wanted to buy it on Steam right now, it's on sale until August the thirty first for twelve fifty. I think it's probably worth that, even as just a single player experience. Yeah, uh, one thing to note is the salvage mode is on a set map, which is does feel a little bit odd, but it also makes it for a more consistent uh, progression. So you don't have to worry about, oh, well, the RNG screwed me over and put this one node somewhere that I can't find. It's been pretty intuitive, your a progression on the first island. And then it kind of just sets you loose to be able to discover whatever. There's only been like the one time that I got to some place that I couldn't do anything. And that was the island full of explosive things. So, yeah. Indeed. A lovely game experience. Looking forward to playing more of it. Um, I put one on my list because I, I have like this huge backlog of games that I uh, have got like ready to go for weeks when like if Game Club has been heavy or something. And I just have to kind of rotate some of them out before I get too far away from them that I forget them. So I put Infinifactory on here this week for me. Um, Infinifactory is a several years old game, like four or five, maybe even six. Um, it's uh, an interesting game that if you don't really know anything about it, you just look at it, you think, 
ah, yes, this is a uh, sort of a, a Minecraft space engineers, whatever, like build a factory, you know, collect some stuff, build a factory, make some parts and, you know, go from there. And it is not that at all. It is a um, a puzzle slash programming type game where that you are given, you know, the tasks to assemble something. Um, and they start out pretty small uh, and get more and more complex as you go. And you have to figure out what the solution or the possible solution is to it. Uh, most of the puzzles have multiple solutions. Kind of the early ones that are meant as a tutorial seem to only have sort of one real solution and just how quickly you you figure out what the solution is. I mean, I, I could be wrong. There could be multiple solutions, but, um, you know, some of them don't. It seemed like there's only one real way to solve them. But later on, there are, are many ways to solve these puzzles. And um, it's it's got, it's an interesting game. It doesn't, it's not bad, but it doesn't hold my attention for too long. I don't typically like this type of thing um, whenever it just sort of becomes what I feel like is kind of obtuse for its own sake. Like, the mechanics aren't super deep. You get some basic, like, pusher blocks, conveyor belts, um, welding blocks, uh, something that turns, um, like rotator blocks, and then you get like some type of grinder thing later on. Um, and that's kind of all there is to it. And then you just have to play in these larger and larger areas, proving that you have gotten further and further mastery of the game mechanics. And I suppose to a certain type of player, like that's great. Um, and I'm not trying to knock it for being for for creating competent puzzles, but a lot of times I want there to be a little something more to it. It does have a kind of a story that plays in the background. Um, there's there are these aliens that abduct humans, and uh, humans are like better at building things than they are. It's kind of a at least as far as I can understand, it's like this alien race has stagnated and they've become really stupid and they can't use their own technology very well. So they, they uh, abduct other races um, to come in and actually build their stuff for them. And humans are like one of the best races for doing that. And so you find like human bodies <laughs> well, lying around. The, well, huh? well, they don't always get humans or did you find that one? No, there's a dog um, that I found. I mean, there could be other ones that I missed, but. I remember one level there's a dog and his audio log is just like bark, bark, rough, bark. And you hear the uh, error in the background and he growls. But what's hilarious is that's not in the first set of levels. So you got through those. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, anyways, there, there's that little bit of story there and, and stuff that you can find. And that's neat. But it, it's just a greater and greater complexity of the puzzles and refinement of the mechanics. And as someone who's not like a gameplay mechanics guy, like once I kind of got like, okay, you know, that's what these, what this is. These puzzles are going to get, puzzles are going to get more complex. I'm, you know, I kind of dipped out of it um, because it's not something super interesting to me. Um, and, And I have played some games that are more like this that I have been more into. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if the added 3D aspect makes me have to sit and think too hard about it to figure out the puzzles. Like, I mean, you know, it's kind of my shtick that I'm kind of lazy most of the time. And so having to, like, stop and really put some serious thought into how to solve these puzzles 
might have been too much. This all just also might have just caught me at the sort of the wrong time. Or it could have been that I've seen other games that have done this better. And so coming back to this, um, you know, it didn't strike me as well as it would have if I'd if I'd actually played it several years ago when it was you know closer to release. I'm not sure. It's certainly not a bad game. And if you like this type of thing, I think that there's something there for you. It just didn't like grab me. Um, probably the best part about it, honestly, is like the friend leaderboards where you can see uh, how other people have completed the challenges and you get just like some basic stats, like how many blocks they used, how much time it took for the their challenge to complete. Because um, again, with multiple solutions, there are more efficient ways to do something. Um, and then there's one more rating. I forget what the third rating is, but you can just see how it does. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Zachtronics game. So it's always the same three mechanics. So it's, uh, how fast, uh, uh, how compact and uh, compare comparatively rapid call correctly. Yeah. So, um, that, that was neat. I like to compare myself to other people on my friends list. Um, so yeah. Good game, but it just something about it didn't quite grab me. I don't I can't quite explain why cuz I do like games of in this genre and games that have similar mechanics to it, but this one just didn't quite seem to stick with me. So, yeah. Benefactor. Yeah, I actually really love this one. I just uh, fell off of it because uh, I was working on Game Club. I'm pretty sure it's off Game Pass now. Well, I have where, it on Steam. Um, yeah, that's where I was playing it was on Game Pass. Uh, but I'd have to go double check. I bought it, God, probably several years ago um, during like a, a winter sale or a summer sale, maybe. I'm not sure. But, you know, this year I've been trying to play more games uh, actually on my on my backlog without buying new ones. So, yeah, uh, definitely it, it plays like a 3D Zachtronics game, which I realize if you've never played uh, these games, it's uh it's a very bad description of it but i do like the multiple uh options to be able to to play it but at the same time it did feel like at least the early levels it was very locked into just one of uh, a handful of right answers i I think it's once you get past a certain point it opens up a lot more i never was able to get to that point because i got distracted and you fell off of it yeah the first set of levels are just tutorials and those are the ones that are most locked in i felt like the second set was the best set you had a good deal of freedom but not too many things to where it was like overwhelming and then in the third set of puzzles whenever you um got the uh what were they, the rotator blocks yeah and that's when it started to get really time consuming for me and my brain to work out the way that that just the way that my brain works it started to become really because i can't visualize shit um so i would have to like build stuff and be like okay is this work does that work no yes and so it was i guess i mean trial and error is the best way to describe it but i would have an idea and i would have to sit and figure out how to make it work because i've never been good at visualizing things and so then it just started to become really tedious for me. And I could solve puzzles, but it went from taking what I felt was a reasonable amount of time for the the complexity of the puzzle to suddenly like 
four or five times as long because I have to go through and look at every solution. I can't just think like in my head, like, okay, so if I lay these blocks out this way, this will rotate it around and then it'll get picked up and moved over there and welded and then, you know, whatever. So I I think that's probably why I, I dropped off of it actually now, like sort of talking through it, it became more tedious than fun for me. Yeah, uh, the uh, the uh, 3D aspect really uh, did make it a lot more complex, uh, and at times, sometimes needlessly. I found yeah. I found the best way for me to play it was to build it in, essentially in layers, where if I could just do as much as I can above and then drop things down. But I never got terribly far in the game. Like I said, I I fell off of it, not because it was bad. I actually was really enjoying it. Uh, I think you would actually really enjoy Opus Magnum because it has more of an artistic style to it where it's 2D and a lot of it is just working with rotation. So uh, the uh, it's by the same developers at uh, Tronix where, and it has a lot more story to it. Just not in the background, but you're an alchemist that... Uh, is basically oh, trying to think of a good way to put it. Uh, uh, the tutorial, you're basically like in your final year of uh, alchemy school, and you just you were always doing things the hard way, and you never learned to use the proper tools. So they that's how they kind of th- give the throwaway reason why you're learning it now, while you already know everything else, and then uh, you basically get. Uh, brought into one of the great houses and shenanigans happen. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more structured as well uh, on the story. But the thing is that it's tied a lot more to a 2D or it's tied to a 2D plane. And a lot of it's about rotating individual objects and building uh, essentially things come together in a clockwork manner. But it's also a lot easier to visualize because everything is on a timeline in the bottom where you could see, okay, this arm actuates at this time. I need this part to be at this point in this location at this time. And I think it would really help your visualization issues. Probably. Um, I wanted to play that before, and, and you've talked about it on the show before. So, I mean, at some point, it, you know, I'll get to it eventually. Someday, maybe. Eventually. Unless the corona gets you. Yeah, if that gets me, then I'm fucked. I'll spend my last days playing Battletech and jerking off. <laughs> and sending videos to the president because of it. Yeah, you of jerk me off. Jer- yep. And I would be jerking off. No, 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 no. Uh, send it to Pence. Uh, it'll make him uh, feel conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> Then he'll have to spend some time talking to mother about it. <laughs> Makes you wonder just how uh, many like uh, gave uh, uh, newsletters that's been sent his way over the years. A lot of them, all of them. Because uh, he is big into conversion therapy, and yeah, uh, he, he he's someone that the the, the fact that. He feels like he has to have a chaperone in order to have dinner with a woman that is not related to him. It's just creepy. Okay? Yep. Oh. Wait. Yep. So, let's uh, <laughs> let's swiftly get away from this topic. 
Yeah, we'll we'll leave uh, that to outer babble, right? Indeed. Um, so on from games we played to another game we've played, which is the Game Club. Uh, for anyone who is joining us for their first ever Game Club, hello, welcome. We're um, sorry. <laughs> Rage and I very often play different games, different styles of games, different types of games, and even Despite when we what play, happened earlier. Indeed, and even when we play the same game, it's usually at different times. Not always, but usually. Um, so the Game Club is... Indeed. Game Club, though, is where we can come together and uh, play the same game at the same time and discuss it with our own unique and hopefully interesting points of view and uh, perspectives. Uh, for the month of August, we played Red Faction Guerrilla. Technically, or specifically, we, we each had the remastered edition on steam um but aside from a visual upgrade i think the game was identical to the original if you had that so um no major differences to the i'm doing massive sarcasm quotes story um or gameplay as far as i know so uh rage did you like this game uh i feel conflicted i I feel as conflicted as pence watching you jerk off yeah, uh, it's not a bad game. It's aged poorly, much like you. I have aged poorly. And the thing is that this game does some uh, really interesting things. But the thing is that uh, the mechanics have been done better in the subsequent years since uh, this game has come out. This is going to have what I call the Half-Life problem. All right. Okay. Because uh, I'm going to uh, just go to Half-Life 2 instead of the original Half-Life because that's the one I pl- actually played. All right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't play Half-Life 2 when it came out. I played it years later after the fact. And Half-Life 2 was revolutionary for, one, it's storytelling. It was a lot more coherent in story than most, not all, but most first-person shooters, but also really pushed physics as a puzzle mechanic. And when it originally came out in 2001, uh, those seesaw puzzles were very revolutionary and very breathtaking. Playing it in like 2010, 2015, it was, oh, it's the seesaw puzzle again. All right, where's the blocks? It's not a bad mechanic, and the game is still good outside of it. But it's just not as revolutionary. It's not uh, on the cutting edge of technology. And it just feels like filling time. And that's what a lot of Red Faction felt like to me. It was a lot of, oh, okay. Uh, uh, it's, it's weird to feel like destruction is boring because destruction in video games have kind of not only stagnated, but have kind of like fell away. Yeah, to the point that even a game. Well, let's just uh, come out and say it. Red Faction or Red Faction Guerrilla is just calls with a little bit of like GTA Three mixed into it. Just cause in space, or rather on Mars. Yeah, yeah. Um, just cause came out in like two, I, I believe two thousand. I looked all this up. I'm not gonna look it up again. It's some somewhere around two thousand six. Um, Red Faction Guerrilla came out. 
in 2009 originally and that feels like just enough time that they were like hey we're working on the third red faction game because red faction gorilla is the third game in the red faction series with the first two games being first person shooters that did have a focus I- i've played all of the red faction games i believe there might be like a spinoff in there or something that i've missed but i i like the series for the most part anyways i digress um the destruct the destruction in you one digress and two never Yes, I know. The destruction mechanics in 1 and 2 were more like creative ways to deal with problems on the linear levels um, or the more linear levels. It's like, okay, well, do you want to sort of go through and find the stuff that you need to get through this puzzle or get to the next part of the level sort of organically? Or do you want to take your rocket launcher, blow a hole through the roof and see what changes when you do it that way? Like, that's how the destruction mechanics were used more in the first two Red Faction games. Um, With Gorilla being like, okay, what do we want to do with this series? Oh, that Just Cause game came out, and that was pretty popular. And this also, this came out right after the first uh, Mercenaries game as well. So it's like, okay, well, Just Cause and Mercenaries, the open world, destructive game, you know, destruction-focused games. Let's throw in some, like you said, GTA in there with some sort of mission structure that feels kind of inspired by gta games which not great um but you know let's let's do that and there's enough time gap in there that that's what it feels like that those games sort of inspired this i think and we'll get into the mechanics of a little bit but i think some of the things um like equipment wise that you can get in terms of how it handles like your movement were uh uh Uh, sort of a step up from the first just cause game and from the first mercenaries game and this was sort of their attempt to deal with that and then a couple years later you've got just cause 2 and mercenaries 2 coming out and then the just cause series has continued mercenaries died off but and sadly because actually uh, what i played in mercenaries i really enjoyed i also really liked mercenaries it was so Uh, good uh oh uh, we may have a retro game club pick and yeah, and it had co-op. You could play the whole single-player campaign co-op. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know how well uh, that would work on PC, though. But it, but anyways, you know, so yeah. it, it feels like that they tried to iterate and make their own mark on it. And then the sort of, I'm, I'm going to do air quotes here, like the more sort of original games in the series, you know, that it's emulating came out and just kicked its ass. And then with Armageddon, which was the sequel to Guerrilla, you saw a return to more linear level design. They stuck stuck with the third person. Um, the the levels were a little more open, um, but still you were on a much more linear path. And and a destruction again became either more of just like a, a key gameplay mechanic, like completely dismantle this building or this base or whatever, or as a way to find alternative solutions or paths to the mission structures themselves. So, anyways, you, go ahead. Yeah, it's just the problem is that, like we talked about, it it just felt boring. It shouldn't be boring to take a sledgehammer and hammer a building until it falls apart. Should it? I no, I don't think so. But yeah, it was. They let's let's talk about the destruction mechanics. They're very detailed. Um, I'm sure the remastered edition helped with the visual aspect of it. But the system itself is still the same compared to the original release. Ascent, yeah, very generally speaking, buildings in the game, in like in, just like in real life, have support structures, pillars or load-bearing 
walls and whatnot. And you destroy enough of those and a building will collapse in on itself and stuff will go everywhere and, and salvage will pop out that you can collect and the falling building can hurt or kill people and destroy things and, and stuff like that. And you could get some destruction cascades, especially if explosions are involved. Very cool in-depth system to play with for a little while. And it makes sense. You can walk up to something and be like, all right, I've got to destroy this for a mission. If I put uh, demo charges on two or three of these support, you know, legs, then it'll probably topple over when I blow them up. And that's cool the first few times you do it. But then it, it, it becomes tedious because the whole game, like that's the game's party piece is the destruction mechanic. And again, this is something that I think just hasn't aged well because in 2009, that's like, holy shit, fucking amazing. Let's tear down the entirety of Mars. Sounds great. But it's one of those things like in 2020, games have come so far and some games, you know, have I mean, done these mechanics better. I mean, how, let's, let's just take a look at the Just Calls uh, series. Uh, they went uh, completely nuts and let you hijack jets and basically Spider-Man around the map uh, while this is stuck with uh, a pseudo GTA with some weaponry, but not much because it just felt like everything beyond the assault rifle was just causing more trouble than what it was worth. I you I got I got farther than you. Yeah. Um I got the electric gun and it ended up uh just stunning people instead of killing them, which is great and all, but yeah, you know, it's just kind of it, it, it's kind of missing the point because okay, I could stun you or I could just shoot you in the damn head. Hmm. Yeah, so the weapons in the game, there's the hammer or the the sledgehammer which you have at all times cannot be replaced. Then you get uh, demo charges, uh, a machine gun, a pistol. Um, you can get a rocket launcher, or I guess it's a technically a grenade launcher, but whatever. It functions the same way as a rocket launcher. Um, you can get, I can't remember if they're mo- landmines or timed explosives. I don't remember. It's, it's one of those. Um, then later on, you get what's called the nano rifle, which shoots nanites, which will dissolve it basically dissolves stuff they'll kill any infantry in one hit most vehicles in one or two hits and will destroy within a certain radius any part of a building when you shoot it it just like gets dissolved because like it's being eaten by the nanites um then there's the like electric stun gun thing that you mentioned there's a shotgun there are I don't think they're laser rifles. It doesn't actually say. I think what they're supposed to be are like rail guns, um, but they make kind of pew pew noises, but they have bullets. So I think they're rail guns. And that, as far as I know, is it. There might be some weapons that I didn't find, but I got pretty far in the game. I'm in the last set. Like I looked up the uh, the story plot, and I'm in the last like section of the game. Um. So I I would assume I've got most of the weapons maybe like there's one you know sort of in game like cool super weapon that you get or whatever. So yeah, there's not a lot and then you've got your jetpack, well, it's a backpack. There's really no point to use anything other than the jetpack. 
Um, health, dying has really no penalty. You lose a little bit of morale for the area that you're in, but all morale does is give you a bonus when you complete the missions. You just get like a little scrap bonus, and scrap is what you use to upgrade your equipment. Um, but because the equipment is, for the most part, pointless, then you, you don't really need all that much scrap once you get past the first couple of areas in the game, at least in my experience. So death is basically pointless, so the backpack attachment, attachment that gives you health doesn't really matter. There's a backpack <laughs> attachment that makes you run faster, but your sprint is already pretty fast, and if uh, you're your going to be going... And your sprint is limitless, which is a nice touch. You can't yeah. attack while you're using it, but you don't have to worry about you know, uh, be able to run three feet and then suddenly, eh. Yeah, it's it's not me playing, you know, me in the game. Yeah. Because I can only run about three feet before I passed out. Um, but uh, so I'm going to hobble a little bit further, but not, but not that fast. There you go. But so, yeah, there's a backpack attachment that, like, regenerates your health, and you don't need that. You get health and armor upgrades as the game goes along. There's a backpack attachment that... Um, what does it do? It's like a like a an AOE like stun thing that you can trigger if you get surrounded by enemies. And again, death is pointless, so you really don't need that. If you get killed, whoopty freaking do. Um, and then there's the jetpack. And so, like the jetpack by default, you get some verticality to your move, and it's not like a a hold and hover jetpack. Like you pop it, and it it uses it, and it shoots you up and forward a little bit, and you can maneuver and fight on your way down. You don't really take fall damage. You have to fall a long-ass way to take fall damage. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. And your jetpack also serves as an extra demolition tool because it, you become invincible when you pop that jetpack and suddenly turn into, like, a wrecking ball. So s- buildings and structures that might take three or four or more, like, demo charges to blow up, you just jetpack through it and just smash it and sort of like that one scene from the uh sonic trailer how are you still alive <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah that's that's it with the jetpack so you have no reason to use anything other than the jetpack yeah see so i didn't even bother with the jetpack because i assumed i didn't have it yet i could see the upgrades for it but they didn't say oh yeah we'll, we'll give you it to you whenever you, you unlock an upgrade yeah like you buy your first backpack upgrade and it gives you the backpack they don't make that clear so but i mean the backpack upgrades can't be used together like you pick one at a time so after a while i just stopped getting them and the jetpack doesn't have any further upgrades as far as i can tell so i didn't have to spend any more salvage on that um vehicles kind of suck until you get to the mechs later on um, and they're not really like combat mechs per se. They're all like construction and mining related stuff, but they basically are just invincible stompy kill bots and you can smash through vehicles and enemies almost instantly. They'll just walk through almost any building. So they make certain demolition sections way easier because it's like, Oh, if, if you find a mech, just get in it and you become invincible for a while. And as long as you bail out, um, before they blow it up, then you you won't die and you can keep going. Vehicles kind of suck, though, because you can't... Um, your guerrilla fighters don't seem to want to climb in and use like the turrets and stuff on vehicles. I don't know if that's a glitch or if that's the bad AI uh, or if they yeah, just th- can't. Yeah, this game feels like it was built around co-op right down to the story. Uh, and then they just, nope, no, no, no co-op. Yeah, because your AI is 
companions suck. Um, My AI one, companions constantly walked in front of me while I was shooting people with an assault rifle. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse, especially when you get more explosive weapons. And the higher, the farther you go in the game, the more just random AI companions will show up. And it, it you can have four or more running around with you. Um, and it, like, I mean, you can't dismiss them. You can't control them. They just follow you around. But there's a penalty for if they die. So I don't understand this because you there's a penalty if they die and there's a bigger penalty if you kill them. But they're they're stupid, so they're constantly running in front of your bullets or your explosions, getting themselves into danger. It makes any mission as well. Like there's there's main missions and there's side missions. And sort of the point of this, like within Just Cause, for example, is each region has got a certain amount of stuff you're supposed to destroy and some missions that you complete, and it like depletes the the enemy's, you know, strength or whatever. And when it's at zero, you do like the final mission and you take over the area. Yeah, um, and I fucking hated the final mission for the first area. To uh, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, but or unless but, you so, want to talk about that one now. <laughs> well, let me let me let, let me say this because there are side missions you can do that help you, like so that you don't have to destroy everything. Although later on the areas are too small and you have to do the side missions to complete uh, taking down the enemy. In any side mission that was like escort these people or rescue these people, I just immediately abandoned because the AI was too stupid to actually do that. They would get themselves killed. And so that got really frustrating. The the attack and defense side missions were okay because basically you just stand in one place or you assault one place. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I actually just tried to protect what gorilla showed up uh, on those because it was... I was still wanting to get scrapped at one point. But let's put it this way. Uh, After I uh, reset my computer, or after I reinstalled Windows, I never bothered with the podcast stuff until I started playing this game (laughs) Uh, to be able to download my podcasts again because I would just listen to them on the smart speaker every so often. But no, I needed something to listen to because damn. Yeah. So, all right. You want to talk about the story? Yeah, so... You're coming to Mars to work as a demolitions expert for the company that owns Mars, essentially, from what I can tell, at least. And you get there. Oh, by the way, your mother died or father died? Yes. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And you just came from their funeral. Uh, it was your father died. And. Uh, your mother's heartbroken, and you uh, you meet your brother on the launch pad, and and oh yeah, your brother immediately mentions, oh yeah, by the way, I'm part of this terrorist organization. We would really like a, a militia engineer. And you're no, 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 I'm no terrorist. Or, are you a terrorist? No, no, I'm not a terrorist. I'm trying to free Mars, but not a terrorist. Definitely not a terrorist. Anyway, you go on the tutorial mission, which involves blowing up, or sorry demolishing a couple of things and cleaning a building. And uh, sometimes buildings have load bearing structures that don't look like they're load bearing, which uh, tended to be annoying for me. So I eventually just started hammering things at random until something fell. Well, the uh, military shows up, kills your brother. You don't have anything to do with red faction, the terrorist organization. 
Uh, but for some reason, they decide, well, you're the brother of this guy. You just came to Mars. Obviously, you're part of this terrorist organization. Never mind, you've been on the planet for five goddamn minutes. Yeah, and they even say at one point during the opening, like, well, you're one of us, whether you like it or not. And then and- your guy just wholeheartedly is like, all right, I guess I'm a terrorist now, and immediately starts doing missions for them. I mean, right? Yeah. It's just, what the fuck? Uh, uh, was the entire story written on a napkin ever, you know, like uh, dinner one evening or something? Probably. I've been watching an interesting um, series on YouTube. Well, an interesting series of videos by by a YouTuber who is a writer, like he's a novelist, um, and loves to do uh, critiques of video games um, mm-hmm. from a writer's perspective. And in one of his... Uh, well, it's a, a it's an older episode. Like I'm in like 2016 on this guy's channel, like in his videos. But he's he's like he finally did like some inter got in touch with some people who did writing for video games and had like some interviews and stuff with them. And basically, for most games, the way that they're written is like the writers come in towards the end and are like, "All right, here's our story concept and the gameplay we've built. Cobble it together in a w- in a way that halfway makes you know, this sense." This makes a lot more sense now. For a lot of video games, because I mean, I, I can kind of understand this, but you know, for in the video game industry, what this uh, was talking about was, you know, they were saying like basically gameplay is king. Gameplay is the number one thing for at least for developers who give a damn. I don't, and that feels weird to say, but for the bigger developers, I guess who who have reputation at stake to develop like actual games. Um, and not smaller projects or indie studios or whatever that are, are working sort of more free form on, on these passion projects, but like the industry side of it, like gameplay's King and it doesn't matter about all the rest of it. The gameplay loop needs to be good. And so they bring in and like story stuff, like towards the end, they're like, all right, here's our gameplay mechanics and our gameplay loop and the basic concept that we wrote for you, make it into a story. And in particular with AAA games, as they get more and more into these uh, live service, grind microtransaction fests like so much of the game story and and lore and everything gets shifted to like a codex because the writers are brought in at the end and have no leeway to make any changes because everything has to suit the gameplay loop and so they write a story and then stick it in the codex because that's the only place that they're allowed to put it very interesting stuff yeah so that explains destiny indeed Indeed. But anyways, I, I digress from, again. This, yeah. The story in Red Flaction really doesn't matter all that much, which kind of sucks. It's, it's there to get you from point A to point B to focus on the, tr- the, the destruction mechanics. Yeah, the very... Well, I can't even say dated because that's the thing, is that destruction mechanics in video games, they've really stagnated and even regressed because... We talk so much about just cause being a better game or a better series because they progressed over the years. But if you think about it, okay, from just cause one to just cause two, they've they introduced the uh, the zip line, the the grappling hook. Sorry, uh, that you could zip around with and use as another destruction tool. Uh, and three, they introduced the wingsuit. And I'm not sure what they introduced him for, but 
Yeah, yeah. I haven't played it, Just Cause 4. It, it's all movement-based. It makes the game flow better. But it's still only certain things blow up, and they only blow up a certain way, uh, especially the larger set pieces. While in this, everything kind of crumbles. Uh, just double-checking. The, the last time I really saw a game that put its destruction engine uh, uh, forward-facing was Forced Unleashed, which I realize is, was released before this, but uh, the second one still, where they were talking about the fa- uh, the fabric-based uh, stuff and that sort of thing. Uh, but it's still the same idea where we're still looking at over 10 years of uh, not a lot of innovation on this. And I'm sure I'm oversimplifying that there has been a lot more innovation and the destruction mechanics and just calls to bring it back to that are a lot more uh, detailed, a lot more sophisticated, but at the same time, it's still you know, the very basic stuff. You can't go in and completely level <clears throat> base. It's only the the things that they painted red, right? Yeah. Yeah. And even stuff like mercenaries had a lot more uh, destruction in it than just calls did. Or yeah. Dug, I guess I should say. Yeah. If I remember correctly, mercenaries, you had areas that you couldn't destroy anything in, but then the areas where you could, everything was destructible. So you could level an enemy base, but you go two inches outside the base marker and that, you know, wooden house was indestructible. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to every system. And I think building destruction is something or uh, terrain destruction, environment destruction is something that for most games doesn't matter. And that's probably why it hasn't gotten as much development. Yeah, which is a shame because, yeah. It's a very cool mechanic. Mm Mm-hmm. It could be used for a lot of things, but eh, right, yeah. Um, the mission structure is pretty bad. They, they're sort of think about stereotypical open world missions. That's what these are: go from point A to point B, destroy some things, follow a bad guy, don't get too close, or follow a bad guy, don't let them escape, protect the people, protect the structure. And the, to protect the people and anything involving AI in this game, whether it's on your friendly AI or enemy AI, is garbage. Um, just hot garbage. There's one mission pretty early on in the second area, which is called Dust, where that you're supposed to like go in, blow up a bunch of stuff, um, and then chase down this guy and kill him. And blowing up the stuff is easy, and then going to chase down the guy, you can't actually kill him until the like the the AI triggers like the start of the chase scene, but sometimes the AI doesn't trigger the chase scene and there's no checkpoints. So you have to restart the entire mission. And it's like 15 minutes of blowing stuff up only for his AI not to trigger or for it to trigger too early. And then you can't catch him or for something to happen along the way. And he bug out and then you can't actually do anything with him. And it could be this one mission in particular, it was just bugged, but it took me four attempts to beat this mission it, it was like an hour and a half, and the mission was so easy, but the AI kept bugging out on the guy at the end. Also, mission types involve get on the vehicle. It will drive the scripted path. Don't die, but then you can't do anything and has sections where you can't actually turn the turret far enough to shoot the bad guys coming to shoot you. 
Yeah, the the mission going into the dust area was also annoying as hell because, okay, we have this armored vehicle. We need you to destroy all these sensors along the road to make sure that uh, the bad guys can't see us. Uh, and, oh, by the way, you're going to have to deal with the entire army that's uh, on Mars being thrown at you. Uh, thankfully, once the vehicle eventually gets destroyed, because of course it does, because there's that many, and honestly, the driving mechanics are not that great. Uh, you're able to just maybe run and try to get uh, uh, the last couple, or the AI is so terrible. There's there was a couple times that they just destroyed the objectives themselves because, of course, they did right. Yeah, they drove through them. That happened to me a couple times on other missions as well. But I'm trying to think. I can't think of one mission. At all that I was like, wow, that was a really good, interesting, redeeming mission. And I don't know how much of this is the age of the game, because it very much plays like a game from the mid to late 2000s with its mission structure and AI structure and sort of repetitive tasks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I can't really think of a mission. Of that, story and yeah, I can't really think of a mission that stands out. And again, you know, I didn't beat the game. I guess there's one mission, and it doesn't really stand out as being good, but it is different. The mission where you where you find I talked earlier about the nano rifle, you find that. Um, I, I don't know if you've got if you got in the story campaign to where they were talking about the Marauders or not. No. Okay. Well, they're like some pirates on the planet. You know, kind of your standard. They're they're like Mad Max people mm-hmm. on Mars, basically. Um, but you find you follow one of them and you find their base and you go through and you explore it. And it's purely about exploration for a little while. And you get some lore about the red faction universe. And it probably doesn't mean anything to anyone who hasn't played the other games, but I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember playing that. That's neat. That's a good callback or that's good foreshadowing for something that happens in red faction Armageddon. Um, and that was nice, but then, you know, after 10 minutes, it kind of ruins it, and it becomes kill the bad guys, escape, destroy the thing, don't let your car get blown up. It's like, well, shit. But like I said, that doesn't really stand out as being, like, amazing, just like in the sea of sameness, this one one mission was a little different. Yeah, which but. is a shame, because I was actually kind of excited going into this, uh, wanting you know, some cool mechanics and uh, it's just maybe it's just the fact that you know games are so uh, iterative that you know one builds upon the other in such quick succession that even something that's you know not even fifteen years old feels so ancient now. Yeah, and outside of things that are just you know classic because of nostalgia or because things just aren't done like that anymore. Like old school Mario, old school Zelda. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think I would say that if you've li- if, if you've never played any of the Just Cause games, you never played Mercenaries, either of those games, I think there were only two, um, this isn't a bad starting place. It, it, it looks pretty good. The building destruction mechanics are probably the most unique out of these games that we've talked about. You know, these destroy the world, you know, whatever type games. Um, it, it serves as a good introduction because of sort of where it is in the timeline of these games. 
So it might be a good starting point if you've never played any of the others. Because um, the, the original Just Cause was awful. I honestly don't know how that game got sequels. I'm glad it did. The sequels are great. The original is garbage. Um, don't yeah, play the, that. Yeah, the only reason why I have it is because it was in a bundle with Batman Arkham Asylum. And I only played Just Cause for an hour or two. It actually suffered from the same problem uh, that actually uh, that we hadn't uh, really talked about that the physics were buggy where uh, I got stuck on a staircase uh, and the AI also got stuck on the same staircase. Yeah. Uh, But uh, there was also times in uh, red faction where I would have things that would drop around me and still knock me over somehow. And because the, uh, because the game couldn't decide just, how uh, my character was to stand up. I would just sit there and fall and have things fall on me over and over again. I never experienced that specifically. Oh, I did a couple of times, actually. It might have been just because I got annoyed with trying to figure out where the last uh, structural support was I needed. Yeah. But, you know, once you started talking and I I started thinking a little bit about what I said, also Just Cause 2 is really cheap all the time. And Just Cause 2 is a, a, a much better game than Red Faction Gorillas, So I, I don't know. It, it could be a good jumping off point. Um, or if you're just curious and you find it really cheap. Like, we've done a lot of bitching. But overall, I mean, the game is just a product of the era in which it was created. And for the time, it was pretty good. And the, a lot of new stuff in it. But it just hasn't aged well. So... I don't know if a lot of those things don't bother you and you're just looking for um, an interesting, you know, a somewhat interesting game to blow stuff up in and lose yourself for a while and maybe listen to some good podcasts. It's not a bad game for that, but it's not anything special or to write home about at this point. So, you know, I'm not going to like two thumbs up recommend it, but I'm also not going to say like, yeah, stay away from it. It's hot garbage. Yeah, I think you just same. have to be the right type of person. Or have a, a nostalgia for that era of video games. Uh, especially with uh, more old school open world games. Yeah. I think this game, like, we don't use, like, any type of, like, official rating or starring system or anything. But, like, this sticks out in my mind as, like, whatever your grade is for, like, average middle of the road is what this game feels like. And if you're a fan of this type of game or are interested in getting into this type of genre, it's a, it's a, a, a just fine representation of what that is at this point. And it's, you know, you will have a pretty good time with it for a little while. I mean, it, right now it's 20 bucks for the remastered edition on Steam. Which... Uh... <laughs> Uh, the remastered uh, thing still, uh, that's probably the most entertainment I had with the game. Yeah. Um, you can buy the non remastered edition, but it's also 20 bucks. Oh, never mind. They're like linked together. So you get both the original and the remastered edition. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, it goes on sale. I, uh, I think I bought Red Faction Gorillas several years ago for like nine or ten bucks on a sale, and then when the remastered edition released, like you got that as an yeah. 
upgrade or whatever. Um, you know, I think it's got nine or ten bucks worth of fun. And I had nine or ten bucks worth of fun with this game, you know, playing it this month. And I'm okay with that. I don't think I'll ever play it again. Yeah, but same. I'll probably I, uninstall and then not bother with it again. I have played Game Club games that have made me feel much worse than this one. So that's, I guess, my ringing endorsement for Red Faction Gorilla. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that sounds way more negative on it than I actually feel. Like I said, it's like, you know, a three stars, middle of the road type of game. If you like this type of thing, you'll probably like it. If you don't, you probably won't. And if you've never played a game like this before and you want to check it out, it's not a bad one to start with. Okay, okay, I have, I have to know. What game made you feel worse than this? Oh, uh, there's been uh, bomber crew. S- bomber crew just made me feel bored. That's, well, that's how that's how I felt with this one. That's a to me that's a bigger sin if it if it bores me. It, it, well, this one made me reinstall my podcast stuff so I could listen to stuff without my smart speakers. You you and I approach podcasting and gaming a little bit differently though because I listen to podcasts for a lot of games. Not uh, see, I I do uh, more video stuff, yeah, my YouTube stuff, that sort of thing. Yeah, but, like uh, uh, I've kind of dirted out with cooking, so I have like several cooking channels. I'll just turn on. Uh, there's this bakery that's been doing a lot of uh, uh, bread baking stuff, so I'll turn on and watch uh, a guy talk about gluten production. Because yeah, right, yeah. So looking at the entire game club list, games that have made me feel worse than when playing Red Faction Guerrilla, all right? All the way back to the beginning. 2016, Path of Exile. I just don't like this type of ARPG. I wonder I like if it. you would feel different now because uh, after playing Divinity. Maybe. I'd be willing to give another shot and, and as homework. So 2016, that's the only game in 2016 that made me feel worse. 2017, mm, maybe Galaxy? Rebel Galaxy, but more because I was disappointed in it. Like it disappointed me. It it overpromised itself. I was very disappointed. Um, do 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 do. Shadow of the Colossus. I just didn't. I didn't like or click with Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, I would say Shadow of the Colossus falls into the same thing. Ages poorly and it was just boring. Yeah. 2018. Mm, nothing in 2018 made me feel worse. 2019. Bomber Crew was boring. Um, Void Bastards was disappointing. Celestial Command turned out to be garbage. So three in 2019. And then so far in 2020, mm, nothing. Uh, the closest would be where the water tastes like Juan for me for 2020, just because it's very sluggish. 2020 has been a really solid game club year. Looking at that, Red Faction Guerrilla might be, probably is my worst game club game for 2020. So and far. I, so well, yeah, so far. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to September, which. If you don't have anything else to say about Red Faction, we can... Uh, I think I've said more than what I expected to on Red Faction. All it's right. Just, it's just a product of the times that there's so many other games it does it better. And it's kind of telling that 
they moved away from this type of game. Indeed. So our game club game for next month, which is September of 2020, is going to be City Skylines. Um, what I'm hoping is going to be a nice palette cleanse because we've had s- several games. Like almost every game this year has been a story focused game. And so until Red Faction. Right. <laughs> I was I was uh, expecting and hoping Red Faction was going to be more story focused than it was. But um, City Skylines is, as far as I know, purely mechanics focused. Yeah, this is the type of game where the story is the story of your city's development. Mm -hmm. And this is also going to be pretty interesting because we both have very different just DLC loadouts. So you you said you had really none of the DLC? I've got some stuff that they gave away for free. Um, Okay, well, uh, I have a lot more because I picked up a pack. I, I thought I linked it to you at one point. Maybe you did, and I didn't actually get it or didn't buy it or whatever. So I have, I have Campus Industries, Park Life, Green Cities, Mass Transit, Natural Disasters, After Dark, and the free ones. So I have all but two of the major contact packs, uh, and then the rest is like radio and uh, cosmetic stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, so... And I also... Yeah, and I also have 88 hours on it already, not before not before even touching it for Game Club. And I don't. I have, like, two hours with it. And that was probably getting the cards. Yeah, I, I remember when I first picked it up um, and tried to play it, there was an issue, um, it, and I couldn't play it for very long. Like, it kept crashing on me. And this was like two computer builds ago. Um, and I was like, well, you know, they, they, you know, patches and updates and all that. Like, I'll get it, you know, fixed and play it. And I never really played it after that. So I'm looking forward to it. Like, I've been a big fan of City Builders for, you know, forever. I've played m- almost all of the Sim City games um, and then have played some other like one off city type games. And so I'm looking forward to playing this more, playing it for Game Club. Yeah, I mean, I've played all the mainline SimCity games from 2000 to 4, uh, a couple of the spin-off SimCity games, uh, other management games, of course, Big into Dwarf Fortress. So this is more my wheelhouse where I'm more gameplay mechanics driven. <laughs> yeah. Although, interestingly enough, there are gameplay mechanics games that I am super into, like Factorio. Um, At this point, Battletech is becoming that for me, which, you know, I'm not going to go off on that tangent. Eventually, we'll talk about our Battletech modding experiences. Yeah, we'll probably talk about that in in a week or two. But I'm too huge fucking mods deep into Battletech. And, um... You know, my experience with playing that game has changed a lot over the last couple of months. So, but, you know, there there are certain mechanical experiences that I'm very into. But for the most part, I, I'm, I'm you know, a story-focused gamer, so. Yeah, uh, there's just, uh, well, for Victoria, I think it's just, it never clicked for me properly. And once it does, I think it'd be fine. It's just, I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. 
gotten to that point and uh there's other things i want to spend time on yeah that's fair all right speaking of spending oh, and, time and i should say i am playing with my typical mod loadout which i'm going to talk to jared with uh, about off the uh, mic so he at least does what i'm running and can pick and choose his if he wants to use mods at all yeah but this is a little different from the bethesda situation where it's a good base instead of feeling boring yeah i mean i'll I'll, i will go ahead and say this on air is that i'm gonna play it at least for a while without mods to get a handle on how the base game experience is supposed to be and then go from there and it just depends on how much time i get to put into it during the month i mean i believe with just the way that it worked out, there's five weeks. One, two, three, four. Yeah, five, five and a half weeks uh, was just the way that the Tuesday to Tuesdays, you know, worked out to play this. So I'll definitely get a decent amount of time in. And I'm hope I'm I'm expecting to get around 30-ish hours played over the course of the month. So that's per- pretty good, I think. Good start anyways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. But uh, I think I'm I'm ready to head on over to talk about our one news topic of the night. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> there's been a little slap fight going on between two mega corporations. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure if you heard about it, but uh, Epic and Apple has been trading blows, and yeah. it's just wow, right? Yeah, so to set the scene for anyone who is unaware, Epic Games, the developers of Fortnite, um, you know, that that is also a mobile title. I mean, Fortnite is on basically everything at this point. Or well, not uh, iPhones anymore. And uh, pretty much any marketplace that you're going to sell a game on has got some type of market share. The Apple split is 30% goes to Apple, 70% goes to the developer. You have to sell whatever your microtransactions or add-ons or whatever are, you know, for the app through the Apple Store. You can't directly purchase it in the app that is on, you know, if someone has got it through their store on their device. And the Apple ecosystem is super duper locked down. Um, and Epic circumvented this and they put it where that you could buy blatantly. Yeah, blatantly. Like they signed the contract that says we will not do this in order to put their game on the uh on the app store and then they went and and did the thing that they said that they weren't going to do and this was a hundred percent premeditated because they had that ad campaign ready to go oh they Um, had the ad campaign they had the lawsuit lawsuit ready to go go. so they, they did this um went against the terms and conditions of their contract and then when Apple and Google also was involved a little bit, but Google is not a major player in this arena, which feels yeah. very weird to say. Yeah, particularly because uh, you're able to still sideload stuff on uh, on Android phones. iPhones, you have to jailbreak it in order to load anything that's not directly from the Play Store, as long as I know, or as much as I know. Yeah, that that is correct. And that is an involved process and your void warranties and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of where we're at or what has led us to where we're at today. Uh, Epic 
deliberately broke the the terms of their contract and then is blaming Apple for being a bad guy when Apple is just going after them to enforce their contract. Like essentially they're legally obligated to do this. Otherwise it avoids a lot of uh, the, the contract that they have with other people. And they have tried to weaponize their audiences or weaponize their, uh, they, well, have. they have weaponized their audiences against each other. And this is like a weird thing. It's like, I I slightly agree with Epic about this. Cause it's like, fuck them. They want too much money. Apple sucks. Their ecosystem is way too locked down, but also you signed a legally binding contract. And also, also, you're both still giant mega corporations that make millions and or billions of dollars every day. And also, 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 Epic has been giant dicks in the uh, past on PC and also, 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 also are completely ignoring the fact that consoles are completely locked down. They're just going after Apple because, or, or mobile, but particularly Apple because they have more of a stake in it. I mean, yeah. they're not doing this out of some humanitarian cause. They're invoking 1984 and making fun of the Apple ad 1984 because money. Yeah. And they're and they're trying to get all the kids to turn against Apple to go as far as to have an anti-Apple tournament while people that played Fortnite on their apple phones and and ipads and everything are worried that they're not going to be able to play anymore because they don't have any other hardware and they're not going to get patches because apple has suspended the developer accounts of epic which also puts into uh, jeopardy the uh, uh, the unreal engine yeah so what the fuck right and i mean it it, is it a shitty move yeah Yeah. but do i blame them no no it's just what the hell on all counts what the hell what the hell burn it all to the ground can we just watch them destroy each other fuck hoas (laughs) 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 oh it's just let's just burn it all down capitalism sucks burn it all down let's go home Let's all just die in our, our huts. Without uh, health insurance, because, you know, this is America. That's right. This is America. We don't need that socialist shit. We ain't need no socialist health care. We don't need to be a socialist utopia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're so going to talk about the RNC. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this is just, I don't, I don't know. Just two corporations having a dick-wagging contest. And at the end of the day, they're going to be fine. They're both going to have walked away from this, having made a shitload of money, more money than they normally make off of the publicity and the rabidness of their fan base. Probably nothing will have changed when this is all said and done. The needle might move a little bit one direction or the other. New contracts will be negotiated and signed, and everything will be back to business as usual within a few months, tops. Yeah, unless uh, Epic decides, yeah, well, we don't need Apple anyway. Which then, you know, it screws over their players on there and just, right? Yeah, but that they don't care. They yeah. All they care is about is their 
their the dollar signs. So whatever they think is going to be in the best interest of them making more ungodly sums of money is what they're going to do. Pretty much. So, you know, we'll we'll just have to see how this all plays out and and stay tuned in on any developments, horrible developments yeah. that are bad for the consumers and the developers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which it's basically just evolved more and more over the last couple of weeks because it's just been, you know, this happened two weeks ago, uh, or uh, just after the show two weeks ago. Uh, they started fighting with one another. Uh, there's been uh, just get going further and further, right? Yep. And it's just dumb. It's dumb that uh, people are so invested that they're yelling at Apple or yelling at Epic or vice versa because they told them to. I do get the people that uh, are upset because they play Fortnite or potentially an Unreal Engine game on iPhone because they are their gameplay is in jeopardy because Epic is being dicks. But they shouldn't be yelling at Apple. They should be yelling at Epic for being just dumbasses. D- did they think... Well, I know. This is a calculated move. This is them trying to leverage them being a victim because the monopoly of Apple is hurting their business. And to the point that they actually filed in California a lawsuit calling Apple a monopoly. Which technically they are when you come to uh, only iPhones, but there's other phones on the market, right? Yeah, I think Apple's market share is, has been shrinking. Uh, yeah, from uh, first quarter uh, 2018, 15%. 2020 first quarter, 13%. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's still nothing to, like, scoff at. That's hundreds or hundreds of billions of dollars in in smartphones and stuff, you know, linked to that. So, like, it's nothing, but their market share has been shrinking. Yeah, but also you have to consider that uh, the... Oh, hang on, let me... uh, I'm trying to find a good example of this. You have to realize that... Okay, let's uh, wait for the graph to uh, draw out. Okay. So Samsung is the biggest for a single producer at 21% for uh, quarter one. Huawei at 17, Apple at 13.3. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that one. <laughs> but you also have to realize that Apple isn't doing their own thing. They're a closed architecture, the walled garden. Samsung, Huawei, and all the others are Androids are various flavors of Android for the most part. So, yeah, the, uh, Apple is in their own unique monopoly competing against an open system, essentially. It's weird. It'll be interesting to see if it goes to court, just how far along it goes. Uh, if what what a judge will actually say about this, huh? Yeah, because depending on how you, yeah yeah depending on how you uh, how you categorize it, uh, a walled garden could be considered a monopoly uh, for that system, but it's not the only system in play. Now, never mind the fact that you know they could continue to just uh, push out 
uh, Android updates because there's no closed system. Uh, uh, Google uh, can't prevent them from producing an Android version of the game because it's open. So I'm pretty sure the development tools are all open source for uh, uh, for Android, so you don't have to you know be holding to Google to be able to uh, deal with it there. You just have to. Uh, play with Google in order if you want to get on the Google Play Store, which is the easiest way to get stuff on that Android. Yeah. But yeah, this entire thing is just dumb. And it's just gotten dumber over the last couple weeks. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, and it will continue to get dumber. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if Apple will eventually cut them a break, but you know, Apple's in a position where they don't have to. And honestly, the way I look at it, if Apple were to cut them a break, it would just hurt them in the long run because, you know, that'd be a bargaining ship for the next big company. Because you know, Epic, yes, Fortnite is this massive money maker that, you know, so many brands are thirsty for these days. But, you know, they're not the only big game uh, developer out there. I mean, hell, uh, what about EA? What what will EA say the next time they release some, their shovelware mobile crap? Well, they point out that, hey, Epic is getting this uh, nice deal. Why can't we get this? So it might be just uh, in Apple's best interest just to hold uh, to hold fast, to just say, if you don't like 30%, fuck you. Yeah. And I, I don't know how this would work, but I want both of them to lose somehow. Like, I have reasons for wanting both Epic to be the one who gets fucked in this lawsuit and for wanting Google, or not Google, well, Google too, but Apple to be the one who gets fucked in this lawsuit. But it's probably going to be one of those things where one of them wins and the other one loses. Somehow I want both of them to lose because fuck them. Fuck corporations. (laughs) Uh, Almost as much as HOAs, right? Almost. HOAs are still the worst, but... (laughs) corporations in late stage capitalism are, are a close second. So fuck them. Uh, well, uh, Epic's too busy fucking themselves. So we'll see. Indeed. All right, let's go. I'm looking at the clock. Let's go do a quick Q. Really do? Yeah. Well, did we get any, I don't think we did. Did we get any, uh, we were part of this weird Twitter thing. Uh, I don't know why, but, uh, Someone tagged us Retroset Joe. I never heard of this guy. Uh, uh, in a Final Fantasy Tactics thing, uh, talking about uh, having enough of your grinding and got screwed over on a fight. And that was it, was just people going back and forth on that one. I don't know who this is. I completely missed that. Um, Some Twitch affiliate. Hmm, interesting. No idea. No idea. But does prove I do watch the Twitter. Tide goes in, tide goes out. Can't explain it. Yeah, neither uh, can you explain kitten energy. It just <laughs> happens. He chirps, he runs around, and then he falls asleep on me. Indeed. Um. All right. So now Doodly we can do for the discovery queue, and I'm scrolling back up to drop the first one in because, of course, I was ready. So, ruin arc a. Evil Overlord Simulator. Interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, early, early access game, so you know, beta is beta. Uh, it has a 
full-on top-down perspective where you are uh, a evil overlord with the focus on story generation. So take control of the narrative by spreading rumors, unleashing monsters, and creating chaos on an epic scale. This sounds really unique. Now, I don't use uh, unique as this, well, isn't that unique? You know, that backhanded compliment. This sounds like they're throwing together the random generation from like a dwarf fortress with a RPG mechanics or RPG storyteller, but you're controlling things indirectly, sort of like uh, how Majesty used to do it. Sounds interesting. I like that. It's very, the sound of that. Yeah, it's it's very odd. It'll be interesting to see how it does in early access. But it's also pretty expensive for what it is. It's going to be twenty dollars when it's done with its launch, which with its launch uh, or its early access launch. So yeah. Anyway, you got one? Yeah, PGA Tour Two K Twenty One. You bastard! I just got that one. Go for uh, it. I mean, it's it's a golf game. Uh, the, I guess for two thousand twenty one. Um, I mean, with us playing. Oh. What? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I wonder if they will have the systems like uh, the golf club does. Which systems? Uh, Are you the, talking about the... The, the swing mechanic. I don't know. I hope so. I really like that swing mechanic. Like, I, I totally get how that can be device, like super divisive, but I, I like it. So I hope it does. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, you know, PGA golf game. Um, don't know what else to say about it other than yay golf. Okay, so I got Rogue Legacy 2. It's like what you'd get if you took Rogue Legacy and a sequel and put it and mashed them together. I, so, I also just got Rogue Legacy 2. I wonder if we're going to have similar cues this week. That would be interesting. Uh, maybe. Uh, but uh, Rogue Legacy is a Metroidvania roguelite where... Uh, every time you die, you become the descendant of the, your previous character. Uh, unfortunately, in the first one, there was no, like, genetics, so you couldn't, like, push it. It was just random generation. I would like to see that, where if you start leaning towards a certain way, your uh, your characters become more and more like that. Instead, it was, like, a, just a random trait where... Uh, you're you're a paladin that's colorblind, so all the entire world is black and white. I mean, literally. Uh, or your character is like anemic, so you have less health, that sort of thing. Where it's just like a random trait. This I'd like to see them push the genetic idea a little bit further than what they actually had uh, in the previous one. Uh, but they're talking about major updates every two months during early access and. There's one and a half biomes in uh, in play with three to five more being added with 700 plus random rooms. It's, it's chunk-based random generation. So it's like connecting a bunch of rooms together and like puzzle pieces to create the map. So yeah, I mean, it, I, I never really got into it. I played it a fair amount. There was just a point where... You had, had to progress so far in the dungeon to be able to get anything more. And I just was unable to do it. And I guess got frustrated with it. But yeah, not terrible. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you're into it. Yeah. So, okay. Um, you got- yeah. Grand Tactician, the Civil War. 
Um, this is a strategy game uh, that focuses on the American Civil War. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen one of these. Um, I feel like Civil War games are their own little genre, or American Civil War games. Um, and there's one that pops up every few years, and this seems like the latest one. As far as I can tell, it's not like from the developers of whatever. Um, but it looks pretty good. Uh, some Looks like it's got a pretty in-depth strategic layer where you need to manage things like supplies and not just what units to buy. Looks like it's got some alternate history modes. So like, what if Lincoln didn't win the presidential election, the 1964 presidential election? Or what if, you know, such and such battle was won or lost? What if the European powers of the time involved themselves in the war? So some interesting alternate history stuff. Uh, pretty deep looking strategic layer. Um, the tactical portion of it seems like a pretty standard uh, tactical real-time strategy game. Um, but, you know, I could be wrong. I'm just looking at a bunch of stills. Um, the gameplay trailer doesn't really show anything really helpful in that way. Um, but it looks neat. I mean, it's been a while since I've played one of these games, so it just released into early access um, last week. 40 bucks though that's a pretty steep price for it so hopefully it's lives up to it it's got mostly positive reviews at this point but still very early days okay so i got samurai jack battle through time this is a 3d slasher uh set sort of after but also during the cartoon samurai jack and i really liked samurai jack was a little bit cool on how they ended the uh, series but that was uh, more just uh, kind of a tease on some things about it overall looks like it's a fairly solid but also expensive (laughs) double a game there are some people that are saying that it's a little bit predictable just because of how this uh the series went uh and that fact that they use a lot of the set pieces from the series so if you're looking for a unique story that may be a detriment to it but overall it looks like a, a fairly solid pickup uh, especially if you're a fan of the series sweet um i'm not gonna lie i saw that one and i kind of set it to the side because i was hoping you would get it because you're a Samurai Jack fan and oh. I'm not. So I purposefully like if if you got to the end of your queue and you're and you didn't get it, I was going to talk about it, but Oh, thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Um okay, so I got Train Sim World 2. Um looks like the brand new released sequel to the original Train Sim World, which itself was kind of a sequel or evolution to a train <sighs> simulator game that's been going for I don't know, five or six years. Is this the one that was on Game Pass, the first one, or is that a different yeah. one? Nope, okay. that's the one that was on Game Pass, the first one. All right, um, just sure. I'm trying to figure out what, why they changed it to Train Sim World 2. They're saying that any trains that you've bought before come over. So, and it doesn't, honestly, doesn't look like much of a visual overhaul. Um, they've added some new fe- features, like you can create custom libraries and... and paint jobs and there's some new looks like tools to create your own custom tracks 
but I don't see why that couldn't be like added more to the physics build. based. So it might be more behind the scenes stuff. Ah, uh, so they might be using a new engine or a, like a huge engine overhaul, and they released this uh, in a new game. I am just reading uh, some of the reviews. Better, uh, uh, clearer HUD, better sound volumes, good variety of routes. So it might be adding some more stuff as well. Yeah, it looks like they've added a bunch of new physics. Yeah, be- and yeah better physics. Yeah. So, you know, it is, what is it? It's 30 bucks. I, I suppose if you're, I mean, I, I love trains. I don't really have very much add-on content for the original Train Sim World. I don't know if I'll buy this. Because um, I like the more management aspect of train games, not the, I'm going to drive a train feel of it um but I, if you're into that i don't really think there's any other train simulation games so if you're in the ecosystem already you're probably gonna buy this and if you're not you probably won't i mean it looks fine but you know if you care about it enough to know it exists you've probably already bought it so your turn so, so i got root a game of woodland might and right so this is a video game adaptation of a board game, uh, asym- uh, uh, Asymmetrical Woodland Warfare, with cross-platform and digital play. So I'm assuming it's coming out on mobile, most likely, or tablets. Or It looks interesting, but also this may be a, just a holdover from it being a board game, but it also seems like it's a, a very simplistic on its gameplay mechanics just from the couple screenshots i'm seeing there's a lot like not a lot of choices in this it's probably just like i said a holdover from being a board game where there's so much you could do without starting to change how the game actually operates but i've never heard of this board game to be perfectly honest but i thought this might be more up your alley but i wasn't sure if you'd get it yeah I'll I'll take a look at it here in a second. I'm reading something. So I got um Plants vs Zombies Battle for Neighborville. Oh no. Which is all right, fine, whatever. Um I probably would have brought it up anyways, but what interests me more is that I scroll down the page to read about it and I'm greeted with EA Play coming August 31st to Steam, which means that they're EA origin access thing because yeah, I double checked. Yeah they, yeah, they announced that ages ago. I or, or a couple com- weeks ago. Completely missed it. So this EA, is why we don't have a show. That's true. That's they're bringing their subscription service to Steam, which is fascinating because there's a lot of EA games that have been gone from Steam for a long time. I guess they've they've given up on Origin and have decided that it's a failure. Or it's going to be a secondary thing. Yeah. Interesting. That's what interests me more than Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville. It's a $15 Plants vs. Zombies game. Actually, no, it's 50 bucks. It's 70% off right now. So I guess that's a good deal, question mark. Yeah, well, it is uh, uh, Plants vs. Zombies, technically. Yeah. So... I got Cyber Manhunt. This is an early access title where uh, it's a story-oriented puzzle game focused on big data hacking 
citizen privacy and social uh, workers. Uh, where you're a hacker trying to figure out a crime? Question mark. It doesn't actually give a lot of information on just what is going on in the story. So, I mean, it looks very fascinating and it's pretty cheap, even at full price. Never mind that they're having a pretty substantial discount for the launch event. So, even at full price, it's 10 bucks and they have a demo, which is seeing a huge resurgence thanks to the the Steam uh, demo events, huh? Yeah. Which they're doing another one in the autumn. Early access is ready to launch. Includes the tutorial on three chapters with no major bugs. Um, how they target the final release to be in four months, uh, which they will finish the main story. So, but also, I've realized that doesn't sound like a lot, but for a game like this, you have to have a lot of stuff already figured out. And this isn't like you're building a full 3D adventure. This is a lot of art assets that probably don't take a ton of time to build. And it's building the back end. That's the time-consuming part. So this might be one of those games that actually holds up to that uh, timetable. Nice. Uh, Looks like uh, might be for fans of Orwell, which, right? Yeah. So I had a porn game. We're going to skip that one. Um, Of course you did. And then I got a game called The Infected, which is an early access, dark, gritty uh survival crafting game there's a zombie virus you survived you have to get stuff to live and fight off the zombies so it's been a while since i've seen one of these pop up on my queue actually that like fits the description for the the survival crafting game as perfectly as this so kudos to them for that it looks like it might be okay I'm a crazy person who who likes to try these kinds of games, so I might try it. Fourteen bucks. So I got Anno fourteen oh four. This is Donna Discovery, if I recall correctly. Uh, one of them, uh, one of that series, which is what it was called in the U.S. before the Anno uh, name took hold in uh, in the state side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I have this one, or if not, the one previous to it, uh, as Donna Discovery, I have to check. Uh, Ubisoft actually pulled them a while back, and they were dirt cheap just beforehand. Uh, some reports that this version does, is not cross-compatible with the original version. Uh, if you uh, bought it before they uh, pulled it from Steam, it uh, looks like there's a memory bug that, because of course it's a Ubisoft game, right? Uh, Indeed. So, yeah, I mean, this is one is see if they patch it. But also, if you have the original version, definitely don't bother with it unless uh, you want uh, the little extra goodies. It has the Venice expansion. Um, it has some extra digital content. Take advantage of improvements like borderless window mode. <laughs> right. Uh, Indeed. I know, I know. All right, my my queue is wrapped up. Um, I had a couple that you had mentioned earlier. Um, like, well, this gives you an option to look at that one uh, root. Root, yeah. 
So I got Project Cars 3, which is coming out uh, in a day and some change, or just under two days, actually. I haven't played Project Cars, so this one's probably more your wheelhouse uh, than anything, because it's more on the simulator side of things, if I recall correctly. Uh, Project Cars is a pretty sim-heavy game. There's some... I can't remember if it's Project Cars 2 that had this mode that was, like, a lot more sort of fun and arcadey, or if it was a mod. But, like, there was one that added, like, jumps and stuff to it, and um, I think somebody put some Hot Wheels stuff in there. But that definitely was not in, you know, base game or licensed material or whatever. Yeah, it looks like they're enhancing the AI, the AI uh, 200 plus uh, uh, elite brand race and road cars. Woo. Uh, buying own hundreds of cars, blah, blah, blah. And of course, uh, they had a pre-order thing where you get a lot of cosmetic shit, but you shouldn't be pre-ordering anyway. Yeah, these games are... The Project Car series is getting closer and closer to, like, Forza or Gran Turismo. If I remember correctly, the first Project Cars only had, like, 30-something cars in it. And they were all, like, hardcore race cars. And then Project Cars 2 was a little more expanded. And now Project Cars 3, um, they're advertising, you know, over 200 cars. Which is actually really exciting to me. As long as this series doesn't get... I don't want to say too diluted. Bloated. Yeah, too bloated. It doesn't get too focused on a lot of the other stuff and just sticks to being a pretty serious racing simulator on PC. We need that. We fucking need our Forza or our Gran Turismo. I'm very excited. I'll probably be picking this up um, in the not too distant future. Okay, well, I skipped random porn game because of course Steam's going to push that these days. Of course. Uh, never mind the fact that they're also being prudes about some of the porn games and then uh, pulling them after the fact. Uh, let's see. My final one looks interesting. So I'm going to put that on the list. Inmost. At least I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it because uh, right, it's one word. Right. Escape the depths of an otherworldly labyrinth and the cinematic puzzle platformer. Explore a hauntingly beautiful world with three playable characters and one dark interconnected story. So a story-heavy puzzle platformer, which is unique in of itself, but it looks like somewhere just beyond a Game Boy game. Uh, and I, that, that sounds like me being disparaging of it, but it has this... Okay, typically whenever you think of pixel art, uh, the pixel art tends to lean towards the 16-bit era, where it's Super Nintendo or Super Nintendo, but better. Like, if they had today's graphics uh, uh, hardware to be able to just put all the colors and not have to deal with the, the limitations of the so- of the hardware. This, it feels like a Game Boy game uh, or a Game Boy game's wet dream or a Game Boy Color's wet dream. Not quite as feeling like a Game Boy Advance game, but it's using that limited color palette to make things feel eerie. And this looks very beautiful for what it is. Making that otherworldly feel. I'm really digging the look of it. I'm not sure about the gameplay, but yeah, I like it. Nice. It does not look like it's for me, but that's okay. 
I'm just seeing what I mean. It's Chucklefish, uh, fish. So they've had uh, some hit or miss titles. Some good, some bad. So I mean, they did Wargroove, which uh, was a pretty popular one. So yeah, I would say it's worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of puzzle platformers, because. I can, uh, the fact that they're going with one for the heavy story or a heavier on story, I guess I should say, looks interesting to me. Sweet. Did you say that was your last one? Yeah, that's my last one. All right. Well, my cue is obviously done. How many did you get this week? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then I had five. So pretty normal for both of us, I think. Yeah, well, you could have had a, another one, but you gave me one. I did. It was better suited for you, for sure. Um, yeah. But anyways, hey, Rage. I don't, yeah, I don't feel bad about holding on to Root because you didn't get it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that in my queue. But uh, hey, Rage, hit him with them socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, give me a CR, or, or you can be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been gaming psychologist you can find me on the youtubes by searching for gaming psychologist on twitter at jma4707 you can be my friend on steam by sending your friend request to jarthur4707 or if you wish to let me know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from the password for this week is fuck hoas (laughs) fuck hoas yeah i thought i'd bring a smile to your face especially considering what we're going to end up talking about Mm mm-hmm Oh, uh, so but I know what I'm going to be talking about. Or uh, if you wish to uh, contribute to the podcast, you can do so VGL podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming, gaming related topics, or just tweet them to us VGL podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons are to blame for this absolute madness. You can find out more to patreon.com slash VGL podcast. And since you're going to websites already, you can check out vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff, even the stuff we no longer do. Or if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Cube music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. You can find him at his work over at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.